Welcome again to another session of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. I am once again and always your DM, Kenny. The world is Yalzar, the Campaign Coalition. Our first player tonight is our rogue. How's it going? This is Devin playing Furrow. Our warlock. Hi, uh, this is Jesse. I'm playing Valentis. Our artificer. Hey guys, it's Dylan. I'm playing Boomer. Our bard. Hi, I'm a bard. I'm Austin. I'm playing L. And our fighter. Hello, I'm Jeff, and I'm playing Garen, the fighter. Recurring people might want a refresher as well as myself and the players. The party had just left in their carriage and mounted on the backs of their desert lizards, or Sanskrit lizards, and had left southbound out of a port town that ends that is at the southern tip of the river of the mainland mass, leaving Yao the Great City. They have an estimated three-day travel to the edge of the Great Desert and are on their way now. So, it is the first day of travel southbound. You guys have a solid heading uh, as to where you need to go to hit one of the checkpoint, uh, one of the many rust dwarf checkpoints that bring entry into the desert. Is there any particular preparations or formations the party would like to take before you go forward? Uh, we should all walk in a line with our lizards to cover our tracks. Smart cutting our numbers. Um, well, the wagon needs to be pulled, right? Right. Yeah. Um, Garen would, you know, suggest that he could drive the wagon since he is rather experienced with wagons and wagon trains. That's correct. All right. So is the carriage first or last or in the middle? I would say we should put the carriage either last or in the middle, yeah. I would say the middle. So Definitely who's up front? Middle. Yep, middle. Dracon, could you um, just run through really quick what we learned about the rust dwarves? I remember there's going to be sort of a a watershed of danger, as it were. There's like a high likeliness of getting attacked, and then we get into the rust dwarf territory, and there's like none. How accurate is that? That's pretty accurate. You guys had received um, some friendly advice from people in the town that you just left about an area uh, that was particularly un uh, particularly dangerous to travel. So you've you've taken precautions to avoid that neck of the woods, as it were. But yeah, your, your assumption that once you get to the edge of the desert and go into the desert proper, you, there might be problems in the desert, but those rust dwarves, although they don't necessarily call it their kingdom, they keep a really solid security force roaming the desert kind of constantly. So banditry happens, but it's rare and by stupid people. And uh, they also gave us the locations on a map of their checkpoints yep. for us to either avoid or go through. Right, but I mean, you probably haven't heard anything of a toll, so there's probably no reason to avoid a checkpoint. Right. Yeah, they just told us that they, they would try to sell us maps and shit. And mercenaries and stuff. Right. Which, considering that you guys are going into a giant fucking desert, might not be a bad call to hire a guy. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. With that, you guys travel the first day. Let's see. Um, 
one thing that I was kind of super excited to try, but I'm not sure how it would really play out with the rules. Um, I, uh, I imagine the desert being the desert is fairly hot. That's a solid assumption. Yeah. Um, Garen has ice breath. Would it be not like, or would it be silly rather if, if, if he wanted to somehow cool himself down, maybe freeze a bucket of water or something to keep himself more comfortable? Um, so here's the thing about using your breath for like practicality or like a, or like a tool. Um, it's like, even if you were of a, of a scale of dragon that gave you fire breath, it would be hard for you to use it to set a fire. Right. It, it, it's more like it comes out once in a destructive burst and exhausts you. Right. It's not something okay. that is easily controlled. Now, if you wanted to be like, I'm level 18, and I want to be able to just like puff a little gout of flame out of my mouth because I'm a red skin scale dragonborn and I want to do it for flair, I'd be like, sure, you're a fucking hero. Go for it. But you guys are pretty low level, so while as an adult you probably have some modicum of control of your breath, like how, like when to use it and how to not use it accidentally. Um, you know, like you don't have to roll whenever you get mad to accidentally vomit lightning into the room. Okay. <laughs> but, but uh, to use it in such a like delicate fashion as to non-damagingly freeze something or to bring something comfort by freezing it uh, would not be something you're able to do yet. Okay, I was just curious. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, if you want to you wanna pull my ear on that later, like when you're five levels higher, I might be more willing to move on that. But as of now, uh, you've only ever probably used it in your life as a weapon uh, or as like a like a dirty old man trick in a melee. All right, I get it. That's that's completely cool. I was just curious. Yeah, sure. I, please, I love talking about shit like that. That shit's fascinating. All right. All right. So you guys get uh, to the end of the day. Would you like to attempt to press on through the night or make camp for the night? Um, I probably maybe want to make camp. <coughs> I mean, um, hot. we've been going all day. Valen will suggest that uh, we travel like at night and pushing a little further while it's cooler might not be a bad idea. Well, bear in mind, you're you're not in the desert yet. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, you guys are still like three or so days out of the from the being of the desert. At this point, two and a half, but, you know. Yeah, uh, camp, camp, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, very tired. Cannot wait. Yeah, if rest up. If it's starting to get dusk, Aaron would say uh, it would be best to set up camp while we still have some light. Um, so as you guys are setting up camp for the evening... Uh, your your guys' sending stones begin to buzz uh, with a with a dampered voice as it the, as the stone rests in your backpack or your pouch or wherever it is you've hidden it. Garen would grab his stone out of his uh, a pouch at his side. Okay. Yeah, Boomer would pull his out. Pulls it, his pouch. As you all do so, the very familiar of the studious and slightly wimpy uh, Bagdura Zor. Uh, chimes into to everyone's uh, awareness. Hello, are are you all well? C- can you hear me all right? 
Yeah, we can hear y'all right there, old boy. Ah, uh, yes. Hello. So, Garrett, um, how how goes the road? We almost killed a giant. It was freaking cool. Uh, hit some bandits. Met a snake lady. She was pretty hot. Uh, other than that, it's been pretty all right. I suppose what I mean, uh, Mr. Boomer, specifically, where, where are you all? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, Frung would take out the map and try to kind of figure out where they are specifically. You, you uh, imagine that you're pretty solidly uh, a day's travel south and slightly west of uh, the town that you left. I would point it out on the map to Boomer and kind of give him the rundown that it looks like we've made it about this far. And I just relay that information back to him. Oh, oh, that's that's wonderful uh, pro- progress. So I, I I assume that that means you are traveling to the to towards the Great Desert then. Yep, that was the plan. That's where we're headed. Oh, oh, oh. Um, do you, are are you going to be stopping in one of the Rust War ch- uh, ch- ch- checkpoints before you go into the desert? Uh, Boomer will look around, see if there's any head nods. Garen would shrug. Uh, yeah, of course we are. We think to go to the Great Desert without stopping at the checkpoints. Oh, well, well, that's where we're going. Uh, well, if if you happened, well, I suppose it doesn't much matter. Uh, I will send word ahead to, to some of the nearby checkpoints that you will most likely bump into, and uh, I, I can procure you a, 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 a guide for a week. That should be enough time to get to your destination in the desert. Oh, that's mighty helpful, man. I, I, I really appreciate that. So does everyone else. Uh, yeah, thank, yes, thank you very much. Thanks. There has been some reports, however, that I should bring to your attention. There has been a couple of nasty sandstorms in the desert at this time. I would make sure that you prepare yourselves to uh, withstand those weather systems and perhaps make sure that you have to spend a little coin yourself to get a proper uh, guide that might know the dunes better than what we can send aid for. Well, all right. I, I think we got a couple coins to rub together between us. We, we can figure something out. Sure, that's good advice. Thank you. Well, then, in, in, until seven more moons, I I will speak to you again. I hope the trails are safe. And with that, the sending stone goes down. Okay. All right. All right. Uh. So you guys, I assume, go back to setting up camp then? Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty quiet night. I mean, bear in mind, you guys are in pretty flat lands at this point. Uh, nothing really exciting is, is to be seen as it begins to get dark. Uh, who throws watch? I'll take first watch. Uh, I'll take second. Karen would take third. I would insist that I take it just because I don't need as much sleep. Well, then Karen would shrug and go sleep. <laughs> okay. Um, 
So it is for who first? Watch. I uh, it's uh, for wrong. And for wrong, what's your passive perception? Well, let me get that for you. Passive perception is twelve. Okay. Alright, so it's pretty quiet quiet in the evening. Uh, who's second watch? Uh, that'd be me. And what's your passive perception? That'd be a nine. Okay. Um, who's third watch again? Uh, Valen, me. And what's your passive perception? Twelve. Okay. Um, the night is quiet as can be. And in the morning, as uh, the camp begins to stir to awareness, uh, just outside of your camp uh, is a small black cloth tent that is just right fucking there. Maybe maybe 15 Fantastic. feet outside of your guys' camp. Oh, man. And, uh, Garen would wake up and not be happy about that, and he would... Uh, definitely point a halberd towards that and say who the hell is that, but uh, not in as many kind words. Well, it's Valen will draw his rapier as well and cast mage armor. Okay, it's pretty obvious who's there. Uh, hung, hulking over a relatively modest uh, cooking fire, um, clearly cooking some manner of breakfast stew in a black iron pot, uh, is is a, is a rather large framed humanoid uh, who is wearing a gray cloak that will have heavy looking cloth and at you all sort of uh, approaching weapons drawn to his position sort of looks up and uh, with the little dagger that he's been like messing with his food with points to the pot and looks up and you can see his face he is a bugbear and he asks want breakfast what, a bugbear? Yeah. Has my character seen one of these before in a book? Uh, I don't know. You want to give me a knowledge check on that? I can totally do that. Is it just uh, nature? No, it would be a knowledge check. They're humanoids. Could uh, I roll that as well? If you want to. I, I do. I, I, I honestly feel like you guys would probably know what a bugbear looks like, but go for it. Um, I got a two. Okay. I got plus one to that roll. I got a six. With uh, do we use intelligence modifier for knowledge shares? Yep. Yep. And then that's an eight. Okay. Anyone else want to take a crack at this? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, that is a uh, nineteen. Okay. And anyone else? Nah. No. Karen's fine. <laughs> Everyone else, nah. Boomer heard, Boomer heard breakfast, so he's just going to wander his way over there. Um, I would imagine that uh, outside of what I'm going to tell uh, Valen here in a moment, uh, Garen would probably have known, probably had fought with a bugbear before. Uh, they're pretty vicious in combatants and, and over, almost always favor melee battles over ranged combat and are excellent ambush hunters. But uh, for, for Garen, or sorry, not Garen, for uh, Valen Des. You've actually done a little bit of homework 
on bugbears as you have used them in the past as they are wonderful bouncers and bruisers. Uh, and, and it would not be all too uncommon for someone of a more delicate uh, profession such as yours with rough edges to use bugbears to continue to make those edges rough. Uh, okay. You know that specifically they are a humanoid of a goblinoid-esque nature, and that uh, while most bugbears uh, are pretty savage individuals, not all of them are. Some of them are taken to the hermit lifestyle, although to see one camped outside of your camp in the middle of the morning, uh, who knows how long he's been there, is a touch troubling for you, no matter what your uh, history with them would be. Right. Um, so I would also know that they're pretty proficient ambushers as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And knowing that, um, Alan would immediately scout the area. Well, not scout, scout, but take a quick glance around. Oh, give me um, a perception. See if there's anything I miss. Um, and a perception roll? Yep. Right. That's a seven. Okay. Uh, nothing seems amiss, but I mean, you're also being quite quick with that assumption. Right. Uh, Garen would also keep an eye out, but his focus is much more on the man in front of him than uh, on his surroundings. Well, if I remember correctly, Garen's a, Garen's a pretty big dude, right? Uh, yeah, he's six something. Yeah, this bugbear is about as tall as you, if not maybe an inch or so taller. So that would definitely stand out for you. So, uh, Boomer, yeah. you you approach the bugbear? Oh yeah, he offered breakfast, and uh, you know, I want to walk over and uh, yeah. be like, "Hey, old boy." Uh, Al is going to sort of trail behind him. So I'm not sure about the situation, kind of what's backing him up. As, as I walk over, I'll be like, oh, why why you park so close to our camp? Anyway, what's, what's going on? Good morning. He, uh, he takes his, he, like, stabs his cooking knife into the ground and, like, pulls his hood off entirely to reveal his very, uh, Wolverine-like hair. Yeah. Uh, that's That's X-Men Wolverine. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, so he he does that, and then he pulls his cooking knife back out and stirs his breakfast with it. Uh, and you you realize that he very easily could t- could grab the bone that's sticking out of the breakfast and stir it with that anyway. But he's clearly just really attached to using his cooking utensil for the job. Anyway, he introduces himself as Bergdock. And he is the best bugbear trader in the world. He's a what trader? Uh, he's the best bugbear trader in the world. Okay, gotcha. And sorry, what did you say his name is? Uh, Berg. Bergdoct? Did I say. Was that. <coughs> yeah. Whatever you say it is. Or, yeah, it's. I'm sure you'll never meet him again, but, you know, Berg, Berg, Gok. Yeah, Berg, Gok. That sounds good for a long day. Dylan, <laughs> Dylan, convince him to be our friend and join us. <laughs> I, you know, all right, I could do that. So he, uh, like, grabs, he, he takes part of his cloak in his hand and, like, grabs the, the pot and sets it on the ground and quickly begins to burn the grass away. Uh, and sort of uh, grabs the the bone 
and with the subsequent haunch of meat out of the mostly stew of a breakfast, um, and takes a bite and then uh, offers what's in the pot to you. Uh, uh, Boomer's gonna walk over. Is there like a place to sit beside him? No, just just ground. I mean, that's what he's sitting on. So cool. So he's gonna. I mean, he has like a little uh, like dining thing, like a little uh-huh. you know bowl and stuff. He'll, uh, and his pack, he'll pull it out and be like, oh, I, I thank you, kind sir. And he'll uh, sit down and, you know, take a bowl and sit down beside him and ask him, you know, you know why he decided to come close to us without, you know, letting us know he was there. Uh, he, after a, a pretty thorough chew of a greasy haunch of meat, he, um, seems to take kind of an interesting level of etiquette in patting his lips between bites with his own cloak. <laughs> and then he stands up uh, after one or two bites, sort of chewing on your question as much as he's chewing on his breakfast, and goes, Burgok! Sorry, Burgok, show you wares, but Burgok not want to wake sleepy peoples. Can I, oh. can I do an insight real quick to see if he's lying? Yes, you may. How very considerate of you. Nope. Valen will nod the walk up slowly, keeping his head on a swivel. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a ten. Okay. He seems as honest as a bugbear could be, which is really honest. Cool. So this guy seems to be a traitor. Is there like a stack of goods someplace? Um, his his tent seems barely bigger than he is. So you imagine if he's going to produce wares from anywhere, there's probably not a lot to it. Mm. Well, uh, Boomer's going to be like, this, this breakfast is pretty good. Uh, well, maybe I could take a gander at what you've got. Asterisk note, it's not that great. Well, I'm not going to tell him that. <laughs> I know, I'm just telling you. Boomer's used to eating trash, man. <laughs> it's from it's, the mountain. It's from the mountain. Inside the mountain. I got drunk one time and ate uh, a mole dog. Right? Raw. Still squirming. So you know what a mole dog is that's raw? Ty- De- uh, fuck, Dylan? I almost what? called you Tyler and Dave. I don't know why. It's, Wait, what? I said, I, I, I like tripped over your name so horrifically. I almost called you Dave and Tyler. That's a Anyway, but yeah, I do know what a mole dog is. Yeah, do you, a mole dog when it's when it's raw, it's called a mole. <laughs> <laughs> or are you inventing an animal in my world that is part dog and part mole? I would have oh, that. I was I was hoping that there was like part dog, part mole underneath the mountain that the dwarves use as pets. That's know you know what? That I'm okay with that. Well, you know, what we'll call it we'll call it a dire mole. Yeah, 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 cool. It's like the size of a, it's like the size of a big Dodge Hound. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. But it's like, but it's like, but it's like, but it's like they're like blind. Well, yeah, duh, because they're moles. Did you see the name of that deal again? Super cool. Dodge Hound. Yeah. Dodge Hound. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Sure. Cool. Um, Karen would also walk over and kind of sit himself down next to the fire and pull out his own mess kit because okay. uh, he likes his food. Uh, so, in, in you all sort of interesting yourselves in his mediocre quality breakfast food, um, he sort of stands up and, and like, 
grabs the, the frame of his tent and, like, throws it to the side. <laughs> and nice. re- reveals his, like, modest bedroll. And he picks up his backpack. Um, and he, go- he sets it back in front of himself as he sits down back at the little fire with you all. And goes, witness my half-sack. And he, he like, lays it on its <laughs> side. And, <laughs> and starts to grab things out of it. He grabs a couple of swords and, like, sets them by him. Grabs a couple of what look like scrolls and sets them by him. Uh, Grabs a battle axe out of his backpack, which seems weirdly big to come out of a backpack. And then he sets it there. Um, Okay. Yeah. Uh, After seeing that, can Boomer roll an Arcana check? Because he's just like, that bag ain't right. Sure. (laughs) That would be an 18. Um, you don't know exactly what you'd call his item, but considering uh-huh. that you've tinkered yourself with creating uh, items that have larger spaces inside of them than they look like they have on the outside, you understand yeah. pretty easily that he's got something like that going on. Cool. And to make a bag of the size that he's toting... Either it was really cheap and there's not a lot of extra space in it, or there's a lot of extra space in it and it was probably really expensive to make. Yep. Cool. So hard, hard to say it at glance. And uh, the last thing that he seems to pull out after the couple of swords, couple of scrolls, or at least you know wrapped up parchment, um, a, a battle axe of some sort, and. Uh, he grabs a pair of throwing knives and about a, 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 a two heaping fistfuls of like six bottles, all with liquid in them. And he sort of like splays them out pretty haphazardly before him uh, and asks, What you want to buy? Farung's uh, gonna ask how much each item costs. Um, fuck you in particular, ask individual. Damn. Um, he's gonna ask about the parchment, how much he wants, if it comes as a, as a bundle, or is, or do I have to pay for them individually? Um, he points out that the four different bundles of parchment are magic scroll, and that he could sell any of them for 20 gold apiece. Does he know what uh, uh, Boomer asked him? Oh, what, what, what kind of magic scrolls are? They? Very magical. All right, then I believe I once uh, read one, and I grew three feet tall for a whole day. Hey, man, that's pretty good. I gotta get me one of those. Nah, I don't need one of those. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Boomer's gonna look at the. Uh, the potions, like the liquids. Uh-huh. Um, he asks them, are there any, like, any of them that, like, stand out? Um, all six of them look to be made of, uh, this sort of thick, oily substance that, uh, is almost like if you made an opaque maple syrup. So they're not, like, we would know what health potions look like, and they don't look like health potions. Well... 
I don't know what a health potion is, but a potion of uh, cure oh. wounds. Would, oh, yeah, would... yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I know, I'm just giving you a hard time. That's uh, fine. You semantics boy, watch them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the problem is, and you would you would probably give me a Arcana check to back this up, but because you do have some insight on potion making. Yep. Hold on, just one second. Sure. <laughs> A, a what? Uh, 15. So, you probably would know what a, like, an adventurer's guild potion of healing looks like. Like, their sort of uh, brand of healing potion. But yeah. the problem with alchemy is that it's not perfect. And that some people are man- have managed to pull the effects that are similar potion to potion out of different materials. So without actually imbibing one of these or being told what they are, it would be kind of hard to assume what they are without uh, powerful detection magic or identifying. Gotcha. Well, uh, then Boomer's just going to ask him, uh, hey, old boy, you know what these potions do? And he uh, sort of points at those potions as if there are other potions that you could be asking when it's very obviously that potion that you're asking about. He goes, oh, these? Yeah, yeah, these ones right here. And with that, he seems to really struggle with what he thought they did or remember what they are. With a sort of moment, like you could see the light bulb clink or like turn on right above his head. He goes, oh yeah, yes, I remember. These potions are potions of talk good to everybody. Really? Farang asks if he could uh, give us an, an example of it by like, you know, taking a drink and showing us. No, no, no. I don't drink my own uh, product, then you can't buy. How much is a how much is a potion? Fifteen golden coins. You know what, old boy? I'll take one of those. Great. And he sort of uh-huh. ha- attempts to hand you one. Cool. He takes your coin. At a. At- Everyone, um, Alan will walk up and say, I'll also take one of those. Alright, uh, when you give him the money, he gives it to you as well? Yep. Cool. And, uh, Valen will also go over and start eyeing up the swords to see if there's any talent along what he has laid out. <laughs> said talent, that's amazing. Uh, he has three, um, short swords on stock and that's why oh (laughs) yeah he has three short swords on stock and one of them does seem to kind of shine out the other two uh all three of the swords look like they're solid make uh without you know knowledge checks or um profession checks and like blacksmithing or anything you probably couldn't identify where these different designs come from mm-hmm. but 
you definitely can tell that they're they're not just like scrap swords that a bugbear is trying to throw at you because he mugged somebody. Okay. Um, they're they're what they're fine we, they're fine blades. What about the battle axe? Because Garen's very interested in the battle axe, and he would definitely give it much much more than a once over. Uh, the battle axe is a, is very, just like the short swords, solid construction. Um, it is not terribly ornate. It seems to heavily f- uh, prefer function um, uh, over form, which to an untrained eye would probably lend it to being a non-magical weapon, but without inquiry or identification magic, it would be impossible to know for sure. Um, but Valen is going to... Um... I'd look at uh, the bugbear and say, what, uh, may I pick up this one good-looking sword uh, just to get a feel for it? And do you have your weapon out? I do not, no. Oh, wait, no. I'm sorry? I, I did have my rapier out, so I'll sheath it. And he, uh, he says that you can hold his sword as long as he can hold your sword. That's fair. Be a generous lover. I'll, I'll, I'll redraw my sword and hand it to him carefully. Yeah. He seems to hold it and can't quite hide how silly he thinks how light this weapon is, but mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't outwardly judge it or anything. Right. All right. Um, can I make any sort of rolls just having this sword in my hand? Um I guess investigation wouldn't work. Uh, perception, maybe. Um, actually, it would probably be. Man, I don't want to just throw everything in Arcana here. Yeah, but that would fit, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hold on. Let me let me check what identifying a scroll or a weapon would would fall under for skill checks. Um, is there any other items that people want to look into? Um, not me personally, no. Just the one good sword. Yeah, let me... Was not uh, Al is actually interested in the other potion of make talk good. Yep, he, he is very willing to sell it. Yeah, I think he's just going to buy that sight unseen on the effects. Right. <clears throat> um, Garen would ask him how much the battle axe is. Oh, 200 coin for that battle <laughs> <laughs> He'd make a whistling sound at that. Thank you for not actually whistling. I can't whistle. Good to know. <laughs> huh? I, I never learned to read. Um, he would look at the man and pull out to uh, also functional, not very decorative at all. Hand axes, which we can all agree are very nice to have. And say, what if I tossed in these two? Uh, he sort of looks at them. They're cute. 180. Alright. Garen would laugh and uh, step away from the battle axe and say it's a little bit too rich for his blood. Thank you, though. It's okay. It was rich for me, too. Boomer wants to ask him, he'll walk up, he'll be like, uh, hey, how, how'd you come across a bag like that? 
Man, you can. It looks like it can hold more than you know all this stuff. He like puts his finger up to his lips, like to like to make a secret. Like, <laughs> my father, my father, ambush a caravan years ago, and well, when I wanted to go and be world's best bugbear trader, uh, I needed a thing to put my trade in, so I took it. All right then. Well, makes sense. Really the rest of us obviously heard that, right? I mean, yeah, he's sitting right there talking pretty evidently. Uh, the, the Valen will just kind of shake his head and say, subtle. Yeah, yeah. Silent in foot, not in voice. Uh, and then he's going to, uh, Boomer's also going to be like, so what's, you know, you got some reasoning price stuff. What, what's so special about that battle axe? Oh. Uh, I can show, actually. And with that, he starts to stand up and tries to hand the rapier back to Valandess in expectant of receiving the short sword back. Okay, uh, should I make a roll? <laughs> For what? I, I don't know. Oh, to figure it right, out. Yeah. yeah, no, there's no skill check to identify magic of any type. On okay, so that just is what it is. Yeah, it did not start to glow when you picked it up. It did not start to All right. do anything it's special well. when you picked it up. This well be song, right? All right, well I'll hand it back and take my rapier back. And uh, so he stands up and grabs the battle axe and um, takes one of the scrolls and opens it and reads it uh, its incantation, and a tree just sprouts nearby. And the scroll burns up. Because <laughs> it's been spent. And he yeah. walks over um, and like points to it and then points to Geharad and points to one of your axes and goes, hit this tree. Garen would walk over with the uh, much smaller hand axe and kind of just sink it into the tree. Okay. You, you've sunk an axe into a tree before. It sinks about as much of an axe sinks into a tree. Uh, you do not fell it. You're not a fucking giant. But, you know, you put a you put a nice little cut in there. You have to wiggle the axe a bit to get it back out. And yeah, he, he does goes, look pleased with himself at that. Sure. And then the, the, the bugbear goes, or, uh, uh, Ger... Gergok. Berg... Bergork. 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 Bird doctor. Bird doctor. I'm just calling him Bird Doctor. Fucked it. Bird Doctor. BD. <laughs> yeah, Bird Doctor. <laughs> and he takes the axe and just, like, taps the blade into the tree. And every part of the tree above the point of contact rots into ashes as it fades away into the wind. <laughs> At this point, the halberd is not the pointiest part of Garen. And he goes, This axe, Mick. All plants go dead. Very good. That's such a specific magical ability. <laughs> hey, man, that, that's, that's pretty good. You're not going to talk shit when you're fighting an ant three months from now, and you're like, oh, the battle axe! <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm <laughs> ponders and wishes how he had that when he was on this expedition in the fucking jungle. Right. He right. collects every broom in Skyrim just in case he enters the broom dungeon. Any, anyway, 
Valen will walk up next to Gehara and look at him and go, you know, we are going to check on the elemental crystals. He would nod and say we are. He said, but that price tag. He, he would look at, uh, he would look at the drow and say, kind of spent a lot on supplies. If I gave you 90 gold, can you buy that battle axe? Uh, his player would look at his character sheet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do still have six platinum, actually. Hold on. A platinum was how much gold? Ten. 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 Mm. Of course, Garen doesn't say this to the drop. Oh, not sure. Oh, I have six platinum. How much is that? What is currency? Help. Please <laughs> some help. Um, Garen would nod. He would nod indeed. He said, All I right. absolutely could do that. You never know when something like that could come in handy. That's uh, funny. Valen will drop the uh, 90 gold pieces into Garen's hand and tap him on the back and walk away saying, go get me later. Garen would not even question it because it's money that's now in his hands. And would walk up to the man holding his two hand axes and say, 180, you said? He nodded, sort of grinning as he's about knows he's about to get paid. Uh, Garen is all about that and offers, or rather, you know, kind of counts out the coin and uh, offers the two axes to the man. And 180 kind of, gold? What was that? And 180 gold? Yeah. So I'm just going to delete that. Just erase that and part of my character sheet. Yeah, me too. So that takes that down to you. Okay. What did I what did I keep calling this axe? A, a war axe? Battle, Battle axe. axe. Okay, yes, yeah, so that's one D eight. If you use it two handed, it's one D ten. That is fine with Garen, who would um, stick his halberd into the ground and kind of give the axe a few test swings if it was handed to him. Yeah, do you swing it at the stump? Yeah, yeah, oh, the funsies. Alright, roll 1d8 and then 1d12 d- d- uh, necrotic. Holy shit. You can go ahead and just <laughs> write this down as, uh, you know, battle axe of uh, Barkbane. It is a oh, regular... It is a it is a plus zero magical battle axe for all intents and purposes, but if it strikes a plant, you do an additional one d twelve necrotic damage, but only for the first strike every round. Hmm. Such a. And is that how much necrotic you said? One d ten or one d twelve? Yeah. Necrotic damage once per battle. Once per, per round. Okay. Well, that's, you know, that's like your the best modifier you can have on a hit. Yeah, right? it's the biggest die that you get in damage. But yeah, it works on plants, which are pretty pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is specifically plants and yes. plant life. Yeah, and anything okay. that is a plant, whether it's a monstrous plant or an aberration plant or whatever, if it is a plant, you will do that extra one d twelve 
damage. Now, bear in mind, it is also a magical weapon, which means that if you strike something that has resistance to non-magical weapons, your base 1d10 or 1d8 still does full damage, which is nice. So okay. it's it's more it's a than bit a, shorter than his halberd, so it could be you know useful in situations. Well, most importantly, it could be used one-handed to great effect, so you could use a shield with it. Yay! Uh, now I just need to get it. I do have a shield. Ha ha! <laughs> so, so since it's a bark bane, we should see what happens when we hit a mole dog with it. Clever <laughs> oh. <laughs> this kid. All right, mole, uh, mole dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's canon. It's canon. Hey man, that's two things so far that I've made canon. I'm pretty proud. Of myself. Yeah, you seem to be <laughs> shooting oh, for one of bark thing. All right. Uh, so, was there any other items that you guys wanted to buy from uh, Gurgok? Uh, no. So now we murdered Gurgok and no. take all our money back, right? No. You can because go I'm for it. Gurgok wants to come with us. <laughs> it's just like Grand Theft Auto. All right. Um. All right. Okay, so... Uh, L sees that the business with this merchant is done and just turns away from his... Uh, uh, try to, is there a word for ridiculously frivolous companions? Uh, yeah, ridiculously frivolous companions. Like, That's pretty good word. Cool, there you go. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And he gets back to breaking down the camp because we have a lot of distance to cover today. Uh, Boomer's gonna turn to Burdock and be like, "So which way you head, no boy?" Well, biggest, biggest world and biggest, best bugbear trader in the world. I well have much coin and much less stuff now, so I must go to town and buy new stuff. So stuff buy I will. So what you're saying is you don't want to come along with us? No. Be a hero. Well, with Big Lizard, you must be going to desert. I came from there. I go north. No, all right, man. Well, it's been cool. Like, you're a real nice guy, and I appreciate what you've done. But next time, maybe you should be like, you know, hey, guys, I'm here. It may be the middle of the night. I don't want to sneak up on you and cause people to have heart attacks during when they wake up because, you know, that's a really rough time. Be like waking up and then all of a sudden someone's standing there or sleeping or making food. I don't know, man. Maybe you should just say something next time. Blow a horn. I don't know. Well, I I didn't want to wake the lizards. Oh yeah, that that makes sense. Never mind. Never mind. You right. You right. What was our lizards' name? And uh, the sand skirt lizards. Yeah, but what were their what was their name? Oh fuck we, you! We I don't remember. Name. If you want to know the lizards' name, then you and the listeners can go back to the first session. <laughs> They're now for for going forward scaly horses. So uh, yeah, we're calling them heckos. Boomer Boomer shoots a meat up your guns and uh, tells him to have a nice day. <laughs> he, as if he has seen this gesture before, fires back finger guns. All right. Oh, it's a thing. Hold on. Roll one d twenty to critical finger gun. Dude, I can't wait till we come across the culture where they find that offensive. It's gonna happen. Yeah, that's not yes. gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> let them be plant people. <laughs> Savage. Yes. Uh, Valen will look at uh, BD and um, ask him, uh, do you have any friends down in the desert that we should visit? 
Oh, you're, sorry, you're talking. <laughs> yeah. I forgot that you made it an, like an acronym for him. He goes, yeah, because I couldn't remember his real name. <laughs> Friends? No, just Rust Dwarves. All right. Th- did you did you see any trouble down there? Trouble? No. Very quiet. Trouble never find me. All right. All right. Boomer's gonna go start uh, taking down camp. With L. All right. And see if he'll play some red hot chili dwarves or something. <laughs> red hot chili dwarves. Nope. Not nah. Nope. They're not getting to a session. Fuck you. That's not real. <laughs> that is not. <laughs> I don't know how I feel the pain I felt under the mountain that day. <laughs> anyway, uh, Roy's gonna kind of keep Overwatch as people break down camp, make sure that uh, no one sneaks up on them. Right, like how you did last night. Yeah, but he's gonna sleep in the wagon as as they leave. So anyway. The, the, the day's travel is totally peaceful. Uh, you see maybe one or two other bands traveling in other directions, but they seem to wave in the distance or hail you at a distance and travel on. Cool. Okay. Um, <clears throat> any particular... Uh, uh, how, no, no, sorry. Are you going to sleep in shifts on the second night or different situation? <clears throat> Um, I'm going to sleep. Garen would volunteer for a shift this night. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so would Val. All right. Uh, instead of sleeping, can I can I stay up for a little bit and, and tinker on something? Uh, yeah. Cool. What would you want to take first watch then? Yeah, I can take first watch and can I can I take first watch and tinker on stuff at the same time? Uh, yeah. Cool, cool. I'm gonna do that. Um, how long are we doing the watches for? Like two hours, four hours? Well, it depends entirely on how many watches you set. If you set three or four watches, then those watches are only like three to four hours each. Mm-hmm. Which would leave enough time for elves to trans out and sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Valen will take the second watch. Uh, Garen will take the last watch. Okay. Um, and passive perceptions, first watch. Uh, it's nine. And second watch? Twelve. And third watch? Uh, Twelve. Okay. Um, so. <clears throat> L takes his 15 passive perception and sleeps on it. Yep. As you guys wake up, there is a note in rough parchment on the seat of the carriage as you guys set to trial off for the day. Uh, I assume Geheran would probably be the one to read it since he's the one that goes up to the to drive the caravan, right? Yes, Garen would read the letter. Or at in, least attempt to. In very bad common, it is written, thanks for the coin, you sleep like dogs. Uh, everyone would notice that they're missing um, two gold coins out of their pockets. Should we track that man down? Yes. Do you have a really, really good survival check? Uh, actually, I do not. 
Yeah, me neither. Um, what was uh, I? I can I have I have survival too. Okay, so do you want to roll survival? <clears throat> yeah, I mean I do get to add my uh, efficiency bonus to it. So is that a, a d20 there? Everything starts with a d20. Six. All right, we're not finding this guy. Yeah. Uh, could Alan do an investigation check on the the letter itself? Um. Sure. Just to see if there's any clues to kind of pick out where it might have came from. Okay. Uh. Oh, never mind. That's a four. It's a crumpled so piece of out. discarded parchment written in charcoal, charcoal by someone who has so unremarkably terrible handwriting that you'd have to shake down a thousand beggars before you find someone who had similar handwriting. Yeah, fair enough. But you was that bug player. Probably not. I don't know. He was going the other way. So, well, so, he well, said, uh, so, we, so we all noticed that we're missing two, two gold, right? Yeah. Can I do like a persuasion? I mean, not a persuasion, a perception or an insight to see if I'm missing anything else? Absolutely. Twelve. Ten of your sh- ten of your bullets are missing. Um, Garen would do the same after noticing that you know his coins are missing. Um. Nope, nothing else is missing on your person. Yay! I guess I'll check around the uh, the wagon on my person. You're missing one arrow. Motherfucker. Oh, so will do the same. Mm, no, just the coin. <laughs> and, uh, Thatcher, are you going to look? Sure. One of your brushes are missing. <gasps> really? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you don't want to go back and find it. Turn the really? scare man around. No, actually, that's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, yeah. Hair is, your hair is gorgeous. I refuse to let it go into disuse. I will hunt this man down to the end of the earth. I appreciate the passion, my friend. I have four other brushes. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You don't tell me you have four brushes? You don't? Man, I ain't never had a brush in my life. My friend. Ever. Can I borrow one of them? L gives you a hairbrush. Oh man, so he takes it, shoots the finger de- de- uh, guns, and does like a like a little jig as he combs his beard and like dirt and food fall out. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, the beard in me that's also outside of me is unsettled by how poorly you take care of the beard in character. Yeah. So is the beard that's inside of me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys head off for the day, and uh, you guys see a patrol of rust dwarves marching perpendicular to your pathway about halfway through the day. I cast by ED. Okay. What should, is, should we fly? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Garen would uh, kind of raise an eyebrow as the dwarves approach, but he is mostly occupied with driving the wagon. 
Um, they seem completely one. uninterested in, in, in you and pass your path without stopping. Cool. Cool. That's positive. Uh, Nobody's getting killed today, so that's pretty cool. Well, Frog would ask him how, how much farther away we are from the next checkpoint. For which you, yeah. you, you hailing to them, they stop. One of them in the rear turns and approaches your caravan and says, Sorry, what was your question? How far away are we from the next uh, checkpoint? Well, he points the direction you were going. Has mm, merely a mile or two. Uh, he nods and says, thank you. Sorry to bother you. Not to bother. Be safe on the dunes. Turns and walks back in line with the rest of his patrol, and they go off marching away, as if on the warpath, but not. Are they walking without rhythm? No, they're walking with almost uniform rhythm. Mm, much more impressive. They're a, they're an army, man. That's a super tough. So, with that instruction, you guys carry on, and the the advice and fact holds true. Not much time passes before you can begin to see a checkpoint town in the distance. It's a modest size, but is not very large. You estimate maybe only 100 or 200 people live there. Mm. <clears throat> uh, Karen would continue to just drive at a medium pace. Alright. <clears throat> so, you guys arrive to the edge of the checkpoint uh, town, where um, as you approach, one a, a rust dwarf who sort of signals for your group to halt as he steps into the road that you're on. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Who's up front, ahead of the wagon? Uh, I guess it's L, since Gara, Garen is piloting the wagon. Okay. Piloted. The, the Rust Dwarf steps up to your lizard and sort of looks it over, looks up at you and goes, Hello, tall friend. What's your business at this town? On a mission for God. <laughs> uh, just passing through, actually, on our way to the Great Desert. We were hoping to pick up a guide, though. Mo. Hmm. Is there any of you that I can't see? Um, L turns around to make sure that everyone's in sight. Yeah, everyone's visible. Uh, no, it should be all of our companies here. You may have received word of us. We're with, um... Give me that man's name. Uh, Bagdura Zor. Bandura. Bagdura Zor. Bagdura Zor. Uh, the, the dwarf sort of nods and goes, Yes, tis exactly why I stopped you. Our scouts spotted you outside of town and you matched our the description that we were expecting. Here. And he walks up more to your side so he can hand them to you. So you just have to lean off your saddle a little. He hands you a pouch of 20 gold coins and a small letter. Oh, thank you, my friend. And goes, My best suggestions if I could be so bold, friend. There are two inns in town. One just for staying in, and one that a lot of mercenaries and guides like to hold up in. I would suggest that you find yourself there at some point today. I would also suggest that you head out as soon as possible. 
We just had a sandstorm, and you might want to ride its curtail so that you not get caught in another. <clears throat> ah, thank you very much. Um, Dracon, if you don't have these queued up, that's fine, but he gets the names of the in inns. Um, yeah, one of them is the Troubled Mallard, and sure. one is the Twisted Blaggard. Okay. We make way to... Uh, 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 um, <clears throat> Before we leave, Garen would call out the dwarf and ask him if any, uh, any, anybody shifty-looking preceded their arrival. He gives you this squinted look like, what the fuck kind of question is that? And goes, no, haven't seen anyone. Garen would shrug. That's, that's the, he's not a good interrogator or investigator, so... He's still mad about the two coins. <laughs> Alright. Alright, so on to the Father Mallard. Okay. So, the town has pretty much one main road, and the road is quite wide. Um, like the size of an interstate. Uh, so you can easily travel down it without having too much issue. Um, and you can see through the whole length of the town, it's sort of a wide town, you see. So this main road divides it quite simply, and you can see the large uh, checkpoint at the other side of town, where past it you can begin to see the sand and dunes begin of the desert. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to check out other than just going to the Mallard? Nope. I assume that this is sort of the main thoroughfare. Are there shops and Oh, yeah. There's a couple of blacksmiths, at least one apothecary, and a general store. Uh, there is also a surgeon's office. Nice. Well, we've been through two days of supplies already, so we might want to go to the general store before we leave, but not necessarily before we get to the inn. Okay. I mean, you guys get to the end just as easy. It's, like, right there. Um, and they have a side sure. stable for you to stable your your lizards while you go inside. Imagine it like a western town sort of look. That's kind of how I imagine this place. Except a lot more stone construction, a lot less uh, wood. Is, is this the end with the... Uh, is this the end for staying? Or is this the end for finding someone so we can get them and then boogie out on the... Back into the sandstorm. Uh, this is the staying in. Oh. 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 We went to the wrong tavern now. Well, that's the one that L said you all were going to. Never listen to a half L. Jeez. Got him. Uh, Ferrung's going to suggest following the, uh, the rest worse. Uh, suggestion of trying to get behind that sandstorm as quickly as possible and say that we should go next door and find a guide and get to move in as quickly as possible. Uh, Valen will agree. So with Karen. Help? Uh, yeah, agree. That sounds good. All right, so you guys pull up to the one end, realize you've been, you've come to the wrong place, and remount and go across the thoroughfare to the other bar that's directly across the street from the first one uh, 
and uh, park your, your your mounts there. There is a pair of uh, I don't say I don't mean to say shady rust dwarves, but you immediately realize that these two men are rust dwarves to be sure. They look like rust dwarves, but they're not wearing what normal rust dwarves wear, or at least not in your experience. You've almost never seen, unless you've been in the Great Desert a bunch, you've never seen a, uh, a rust dwarf without his their sort of signature heavy brass plate mail on. And yet these two are wearing just barely more covering and uh, protective than street clothes. Um, something more akin to what you're all wearing in terms of your desert desert clothes. And one of them in Dwarven sort of hails to your party. Does anyone speak Dwarven? I do. So you I would do. understand him. Uh, you, you both do? Yeah. Yep. So he speaks with the sort of traditional rust dwarf accent. Uh, you know Dwarvish, sure, sure. But the way a dwarf that's from the capital city talks and the way that a rust dwarf talks is almost a different language. Sure. Same length, same alphabet, same words, but it's just, it's like talking to someone from the west coast of America to the east coast of America. You'd think they'd be alike, but man, they talk weird differently. Yeah. So he says, hey there, coming inside for drinks, friends, or even just uh, helping the dunes? Uh, we're, we're, we're looking for helping the dunes. We're looking for a guide. Oh, at that, mm -hmm. the, um, the one that you were taught, the one that talked to you sort of slaps mm. the back of his hand and the other dwarf who sort of seems to be more aware of the situation now. Uh, and the one that talked to you sort of walks away and shrugs and goes inside. He goes, so the one that's still there goes, oh, looking for a guide then. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to get, uh, uh well, let, let my half-elf friend here tell you what we're doing. <laughs> uh, yes, we're actually making our way into the Great Desert with the hopes of finding the Elemental Crystal. At that, he kind of like puffs his pipe a little bit. Hmm, that's about a six-day travel if you go all day and night. And your lizards probably could do that. They'd die on the end of it, but they could do it. We're in no urgent rush. No need to kill the lizards. Hmm. Very, very, very. Well, I've got a ten gold tab in this bar. You pay it off and give me a gold a day, and I'm your man. Ah, uh, you are a guide. Well, um, we hear that this is a uh, place to find people who are smart about the desert. We might shop around a little bit. He sort of shrugs and puffs his pipe again and goes... Fine, but you'll be hard-pressed to find someone brave enough to go as deep as you're going and as cheap as me. Huh. I don't doubt it. He sort of doesn't really hold you up in, in, at any point. <clears throat> um, so we'll head inside the bar. Aaron, uh, not, not speaking Dwarvish, isn't really super interested in the conversation. Sure. He would look inside the tavern, and um, you said it, there was mercenaries in the tavern? <clears throat> yeah, so you go into the tavern, and uh, pretty much everyone in here is a dwarf. Not actually everyone, 
but most people in here are, are some manner of dwarf. Most likely rust dwarf, though. Um, it um, is, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Garen would kind of look around and see if anyone's wearing any insignias of their old units, maybe one that matches his, uh, of the clawed hands, perhaps. Um, there's no members of the clawed hand in this bar. Disappointing. His search continues. Um, well, shit, there goes my plan. Um, any of them that look friendlier than others? <laughs> well, there's certainly some <laughs> that look drunker than others. There, cool. uh, The vast majority of the people, like I said, in here are patrons and, rust, and rust dwarves at that. There is a half-elf man who runs this tavern, um, and he's standing behind the bar top, and he sort of hails you as you enter, and you see that there's a couple of seats at the bar, but... Uh, not many seats available at tables, although those tables are uh, not exactly vacant either. Uh, well, Garen would walk up to the bar, uh, disappointed in finding, not finding anyone in his company, but considering there's not many of them left after one of these fiascos, um, he's not surprised. He would walk up to the bartender and kind of order for himself an ale, and uh, if the drow followed him, and the gnome, we'd buy them one as well. Yep, uh, repeating the first part trip, uh, the drow will fall on them and uh, sit down next to him, giving them their space. Well, the the half-elf man walks up and serves you your drinks and welcomes you to the Twisted Blackguard and points to a sign above his shoulders that says, No Dwarven. No Dwarven <laughs> speaking? Yes. Speech? Yeah. It just says uh, no dwarven, uh, so without asking, it's impossible to tell what that means. But you all would have noticed that for the fact that about 80% of the people or more in this room are dwarves, there's very little, and by no, little, I mean none, no dwarven being spoken. It's almost entirely in common. Um... Garen, uh, assuming the bartender is still lingering near them after serving their drinks, would ask the man, um, or rather tell the man that they're looking for a guy. Nice. If he knows anyone going into the desert. He nods and says, I know a few. I assume the man outside probably haggled you for it already. But outside of him, there's three people that I know that are ready to go today. And I would suggest if you're going to go, we just went through a two-day sandstorm, I would suggest going today. And he uh, sort of has like pretty aptly pointed to the people that he mentioned. They are all uh, rust dwarves, um, and they're all sitting at the same table. Karen would thank the man and slide him a silver as a tip, yeah. Generous. Yeah, it's also the cost of the ale, so good, good call. Yeah. Um, <laughs> always tip your bartenders. Oh yeah. Um, he'd walk over to the men, uh, looking ever so dashing in his chainmail and bristling with weapons, and sort of uh, greet them, holding his ale. The the three dwarves sitting at the table who are playing uh, a game. Look up at you and go, ah, it, it, this is in common. One of them seems to be a bit more younger and therefore friendlier. Goes, ah, what can we help you for? 
uh, Garen would look uh, look at them and look at the game. Is it dice or cards? It's a dice game. Oh, he's mildly disappointed. He doesn't like dice. Can't control it. Um, would look towards the drow, who he's assuming is a much better little chatty Cathy than he is. But then look to the men and say, we're looking to hire a guide. Uh, we're going deep into the desert. And the oldest of the three dwarves there sort of like gives you this gesture like, yes, any more information than you're going in the desert? What my uh, brawny friend is trying to say is that we're going very deep into the desert. We need to get to the um, elemental crystal. And uh, at this point, the old man, sort of the oldest of the three, sort of shakes his head and goes, Ah, can't. I don't speak giant. Torgek here does. And that's the middle aged of the three. And he, Tor- Torgek, sort of nods and goes, Yes, uh, you'll be needing to have a guide, or one of you must be talking in giants to go where you're going. But I can, and I will, and I'm not the cheapest in town, for sure, but I'm the only man for you the job, as far as I know. Well, how much are you charging? Well, if you're going to where you say you're going, it'd be about seven days. Well, I, do you have horses or lizards? We have lizards, and a caravan. And a caravan. Well, eight days to save the lizards. We could do it in five if we wanted to not worry about bringing them back. But, again, a trip back without lizards is not worth it. Are you in a hurry? Uh, at the moment, no. Well, then. Eight days sounds perfect. Well, oh. the cost would be 20 gold. But uh, I'll get you there and I can get you through the gates. The gates? Oh, yes. You'll be going through some pretty tall gates to get where you're going. All right. Are these gates controlled by rust dwarves? Oh, no. No, a rust dwarf has not opened those gates in many, many years. Hmm. What gates is he talking about? Can I, can I roll a history check to see um, what he's talking about? Uh, a what check to see what he's talking about? The history, maybe I've heard, you know, what kind of gates these are. Sure. Come on, big man. That's a ten. Um, you can obviously assume that he is referring to a manner of gates to a location that is not held by the rust dwarves, although that would certainly spike into your memory, because as far as you know, everything that is civilized and inside the confines of the Great Desert and not on the coastline is fucking property of the rust dwarves. So that certainly would right. would spike to your interest, but you don't you you've not heard of it before. Um, Valen will lean forward a bit and say, "Are these gates controlled by giants?" Well, one in particular, yes. What about the others, Andricon? What? Actually, is L even there? Sorry. I assumed you guys all walked in. I, I right. Mean, uh, listening in the back, I guess. I, I um, threw a die to see what I got on that history knowledge. I got a 20, which is 22 for me. Okay, real quick. What was Ferong going to do? 
He was going to stay in the cart to watch over the supplies and lizards. Okay. Um, so, L, with your history check, you have heard of the fire giant baron of the desert. There is a Sorry. great steel and iron fortress in the smack center of the great desert. And Okay. So it's like the inverse of Santa Claus's workshop. Sure. Neat. And it's populated by a, a, a giant. Yes, it is. It is led by a giant. He has his own pocket army, and uh, has never been dethroned from that location in the eighty plus years. He's been stationed, or well, not eighty plus, in like the sixty odd years he's been stationed there. Okay, and the elemental crystal is inside that fortress. Yes. Or inside it. Yes. And we, okay, yeah. Uh, does he sort of take kindly to visitors? Well, that's a history check that that has kind of run its course. Sure. All right. Um, yeah. L realizes that, recalls that information, I guess, just now. Yep. Anyone else got anything else? Or are you guys going to hire this guy? Yeah. <clears throat> well, Garen would probably hope that he doesn't fancy fighting another giant so soon. Well, it's where we're headed. And he said he can get, at least get us in the gates, so. Valen will nod the same. And 20 gold isn't all that bad for someone who seems like they know exactly what they're doing. Garen Shrug's willing to go along with whatever the party wants to do. Um, we don't have a lot of time here, but I guess... Uh, L can... can uh, I don't actually have a good investigation. And can it help roll over to the uh, bartender and, I guess, persuade him to... No. I'd like to get some unbiased information about who is a really good guy, because we've gotten two offers. One of them is a little bit cheaper than the other. Um, but I suspect there's also a difference in skill. Can, you know, it w do you think the bartender would be a good, like, person, a, a non-biased voice... Uh, hard to know if he's non-biased. All you can tell so far from what he's given you is that he does solid business, clearly doesn't mind people uh, selling their trade in his establishment, and mm -hmm. prefers it if people don't speak Dwarven when they're around him. Probably right. because he can't speak it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. L does go up to the bar and... Uh, makes a little bit of small talk with him, and then, if you can get his attention for a couple minutes, he asks him, why is that first guy uh, standing outside of the bar? You think someone would want to be inside, and at least the cool to sell their wares. That's correct. However, he owes me ten gold, and I told him that he can't come in here until he pays it back. Oh, I see. Not good with his debts, then. Not good with drinking within his within his price range. I'll say that for sure. Hmm. That doesn't speak 
to a very high profession to, to a very professional character. I don't know if I'd hire him as a guy. I'd say he'd be a perfectly fine guy as long as you keep your ale fro away from him. Ha! <laughs> ah, uh, the rest of your patrons seem... Oh, amicable, at least. Yeah, I saw you talking to the brothers over there. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you trust to take you into the desert, do you think? No one. He I don't go into that place. Uh, I see. But you were talking to the brothers, like I well, said, where you're going in particular, because that does matter. Each of those three brothers seem to have specialized themselves in helping people into different parts of the desert. Actually, we're going to the giant sport. Are you now? Well, I know the middle brother speaks giant. I heard him do it once for a joke. Is that the one we were just talking to, Trevor? Yeah. Well, that is a mark in his favor. All right, thank you very much. Mark keeps sort of nods and goes to attend to other customers. Yeah. Um, L brings back what little information that is to the group. Well, All right. I say we, we take that middle brother. Valen hmm. agrees. All right. Like, like my pa always said, you, you, you get what you pay for. That 20 gold between all of us is too bad. Yeah. Plus, we got 20 gold from old boy back home, you know. There you go. Oh, yeah. We just, we just hand him that pouch. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so he, he takes the pouch and stands up and goes, well, I'm ready to go within the hour if you are. Yeah. Yep. So I say we get, get. Well, make sure you're supplied and I'll have myself put together at the top of the hour at the checkpoint. I'll talk to the captain of the guard there and make sure that we'll pass through on a, on halted. Guarantee you're not going to have, like... A list of how much food we have in the caravan. I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> we, I, I imagine, while we're in town, we'll refill our water skins, right? Sure. Yes. Uh, does that cost anything? No. Okay. Cool. So we have seventy-six water skins, and we've traveled for how many days in this session? Um, Two. Three. 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 All right. And how many of our party members are there? All of them. Except right, for. Except for. Uh, the second warlock. She's no longer in the party, so. Alright, yeah, bandit spooked her, I say. Alright, so minus 19, so we have 72 rations. Is there plus, plus what we got from the uh, giant. Oh, yeah, we got all the check meats. <coughs> oh, yeah, how many was that? Hold on, checking. But anyway, we've spent uh, 27 feet, so yeah. We got 76 water skins, 72 rations, 123 feed, uh, and then other miscellaneous. This is so we've definitely got over 10 days worth of rations and water. We got 100 pounds of food. 
Oh, okay. So we have 172 rations. I think we're good on food. Yeah. Alright. So, an hour passes. You guys put yourselves together and I assume meet up or at least tell your uh, your rogue, hey, we got a guide. Mm-hmm. We got a dude. Alright, so you guys make your way to the, to the uh, southern stretch of town. Your guide is there. And he's uh, he welcomes you and he's mounted on a sand skirting lizard as well. Um, his sand skirt lizard is, is very evidently older than yours and uh, is wearing some protective barding to protect it from sandstorms. As well as he is. Do we ever get this guy's name? He yeah, is. Uh, Valen walks up and says, "If we just spend eight days in the desert with you, do we have your name?" Oh, well, I thought I introduced myself back at the bar. I'm Tordek. Oh. Tordek. Yep. Okay. T O R hyphen deck. He goes. Well, I've spoken with the captain. And we are free to pass whenever we're ready. Lead on, Torda. He nods. Oh, follow me then. And he starts to move his way in towards the desert. Cool. Alright. So, you guys carry on into the desert and the, the arid winds and, and air immediately sink in within the first hour of travel. And uh, at some point during that time, uh, Tordek sort of swivels in his saddle and uh, asks whoever is next in line behind him, uh, would you all be interested in touching down in a small town a little out of the way uh, for a resupply on water and last opportunity for any civilization before we get deep into the desert? Not a bad idea, Garen would say. It's terrible to run out of water on the on the trail. Tordek sort of chuckles and goes, no one knows better than I. Alright. So, yeah, yeah, you, that's good. you guys travel for the day. Um, it's night, and uh, your guide offers to run first shift, if you would. Um, um, actually, Elle would like to stay up and just, you know, hang out with him a little bit, if that's alright, take first watch with him. Sure, he absolutely understands. Make small talk, get to know him. Sure. Um, okay, anyone else, and who wants to do second watch? Karen will take second watch. Okay. And Valen will take the third. I'll take the third since you took it the night before. Oh, okay. That's fine with me. All right. Um, so the fir- the night is peaceful. Uh, you learn that Tordek is the the middle of his three brothers. His older brother is... Uh, he says you probably have heard that the three of us specialize in different routes of the desert and uh, sort of confesses what they are. 
he admits that he specializes in working the the sort of interior of the desert. Um, his older brother knows the east coast very well, and his younger brother knows the west coast very well. Ah. Interesting. Hmm. L asks him as much as he possibly can about the desert and just life there. Um, the, the desert is a pretty lovely place to live if you can tolerate the weather conditions. Uh, for example, the town you're going to is actually relatively prosperous. There's no millionaires or particularly wealthy people, but everyone that lives there lives relatively happy and sated. He points to the some of the skittering wildlife as the, as the evening passes on. The dunes are relatively lively, despite what the name the desert would imply. There's a lot of uh, wild game, actually, and considering that the, the desert really kind of pops to life at night, you see a lot more activity than you had before. Being a night hunt, uh, night crawler is what is normally referred to when you hunt when you're a hunter and live in the desert. You you lay on your belly for hours at a time, waiting to f- for the perfect uh, quarry to cross your sights. Mm-hmm. Um, L really doesn't care about wildlife at all, but you would not know that sure. to hear this conversation. He's wrapped. Right. Uh, he continues on and tells you that, you know, the Rust Dwarf Nation, as it were, has called the, the, the desert home for hundreds or thousands of years uh, ever since they left the capital city who knows how long ago. And he couldn't even tell you the stories as to why they did. He never knew. But he and he implies that you're asking these questions to hear more about the giants and that piqued your interest so much earlier. He asks if he's right about that. Well, we are going to come face to face with them soon enough. I am curious to say the least. Well, he sort of chuckles to himself as he packs a pipe of tobacco and offers you some. Oh, thank you. Uh, so as he as he smokes with you, he sort of reservedly starts to drip feed you information about who he refers to as the Baron. The, the Baron is the name of the fire giant that people have known for quite some time. After the great calamity that happened to the, the, the crystals some 70 years ago, it's as if he came out of nowhere, settled, a vil- settled his stronghold in the middle of the desert. Some people say he personally dragged the fire crystal from where it rested in the dunes, to sit in his castle. That would make him very powerful. And indeed he is. So much so that only a few people even know his true giant name. Hmm. Um, I don't suppose any of those... Does Tordek know his true giant name? No, I'm afraid I don't. It's a kept secret. Hmm. I don't know much about the giant people. There's hard pressed to meet too many in your life, but they're often very personal when it comes to the power of the name. Mm. At least this one seems to feel that way in particular. But I knew that that he lived in this area and that I'd probably have to bump shoulders with him or his employ. You see, he does have a small, pretty modest army of 200 people 
that man his walls and raid the smaller villages near him. Well, hopefully he is at least the sort to be reasoned with. Certainly so, but I would definitely air you a caution. Should we all happen to spend much time in his presence, you and your friends would do great in his in his way to placate his ego. I hear he has quite the sizable one. Uh, well, I should say I know how to stroke an ego. I can tell. <laughs> uh, as as uh, Tordek has offered L uh, tobacco, he in exchange offers the uh, jug of wine that, that magically appears in his hand as if from nowhere. Really? Well, not really, but he goes and gets a jug of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, tell me where you got it then, because I'm interested as a DM. From heart. Yeah. I no. cast wine. Yeah, I cast, I cast wine. Uh, Tordek. That should be a hard cantrip, you know it. Yeah. Sometimes okay. miracles happen. Uh, so Tordek gladly takes one big drink of wine and says that that'll be enough for him for the evening. but he seems to deeply enjoy the tobacco that he passes to you on occasion. That's good. Um, All right. Yeah, not much else is gleaned from that evening with him. Fair enough. The rest of the night is absolutely peaceful, and the next day you head off, uh, and by midday you find yourself cresting a dune, and he points you to a small uh, town that takes up just more space than what's in between a couple of dunes. It's a series of houses with one major road, and you estimate that only probably about 50 or so people live in it. Quaint. uh, He he nods and says, absolutely, but a nice little pit stop of a town. They always have good prices for people who travel through. Gold matters much here because they can purchase a lot from the rust dwarf security forces that often stop in, but stop in their towns. Hmm. Garen doesn't say much. He just looks miserable in the heat. Yeah. Um, and uh, you all sort of pull into town and are almost immediately uh, notice the fact that plenty of people in this town don't recognize you until, or are somewhat fearful of your party until they see that you have a guide with you. Almost obviously, at a time or two, uh, is that evident. Where people, like, sort of begin to close their doors and they see the rust dwarfs with you go, Oh, okay, they're fine. Uh, uh, oh, good. Are there, like, uh, shops and stuff about? Yes, there is a single general store. Uh, Never mind. I'm good. Uh, Valen will ask um, the guy... Uh, the people here seem a little skittish. Um, any specific reason? Well, the Baron in the middle of the desert has a small raiding party that tends to knock on doors, and by knock on them, I mean tear them down and take their nice things. I can only assume that this place has seen one of those raiding parties recently. And he sort of points to some of the 
upon it being pointed out to you, very obvious uh, battle wounds in in some of the buildings. There seems to be seems to have been a scuffle in this built in this town in the past couple of days. Hmm. So the fire giant, even though he has a fortress and a crystal at his disposal, still feels the need to raid these people. Yeah. Who am I to judge other than that fire giant for being an absolute rude boy? <laughs> Is that a common term among uh, Rust Wars? No, you just don't think it translates. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said something in Dwarven, but uh, which translates roughly to a meaner version of the word cunt. Oh. Nice. Nice. I, I, yeah, cool. But but sounds a lot like child or boy in common. Gosh. Um, Garen would kind of perk up at the mention of raiders and uh, almost sort of smile and kind of mention out loud to no one that he always did enjoy uh, hunting bandits and raiders. Uh, Tordak sort of looks to you and goes, well, you may have your opportunity in the coming days. If they're being bold enough to come this north, we might bump into some on our way. Good, he'd reply. I can always use more trophies. So, uh, other than filling up water, do you guys have anything that you want to do in town? Mm, not really. No. Okay. no. Um, I was going to say had one of those cool lizard things that uh, Tordak has on his. But. Um, I mean, maybe, if you go to the general store. Uh, nah, I'm good. Okay. So, uh, you guys go and fill up water, and as you're all doing so, to uh, make up... There's a there's kind of like a central oasis in the middle of town, like a, like a water supply, uh, that people seem to pretty freely be able to go to. Uh, a rather well-dressed um, human for this town approaches your group. Uh, he, uh, he says in starts in Dwarven and says, Hello, friends of the North, and rather from us, hopes, hopefully. You can tell Dwarven is not his first language. And then seeing that some of you don't quite understand what he's saying, he switches to common. Oh, uh, forgive me. I get accustomed to speaking in the native tongue. I am Thurgan, and I am the, well, you might consider it a mayor of this small town. Uh, you all look a bit tough. Might I borrow your time? Flex, flex, flex. <laughs> uh, Garen would almost subconsciously expand all of his pectoral muscles at being called tough looking. All right. Roll for sexy. All right. Get plus twenty. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you guys engage this person at all? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, what, what, what you need, old boy? He uh, he goes. Well, there were some nasty raiders here just the other day. You can see they scarred up some of our buildings, nice and proper. The bastards. Well, we captured a couple of them, and frankly, we don't know what to do with them. And we're wondering if maybe you all could do something about them. 
Do you mean? Uh, or I don't know. You could take them back to their owner. Yeah, we could take them back to to, to the to the Baron. Maybe he'll look kindly on that. Let us get a look at that crystal. On hearing that he, hearing the mayor say that he has uh, people um, that have raided him, he said, uh, "Here's perk up," and he goes. Could I meet these gentlemen that you happen to have? He sort of smiles. Yeah. That would be actually exactly what I would like you all to do. And I, w- I would pay, of course, for, for your services. Now Garen's ears perk up. We are quite apt here in this small town of Vender to, to protect ourselves, but we are not warriors as you all seem to be. Garen crack his knuckles and start or take a few steps closer and say, show us where they are. And he'd kind of look to uh, Valen um, and kind of uh, raise a single eye ridge in that unspoken good Valen, cow. That, uh, Valen will crack a smile and nod. Okay. Um, so, as, so, so he asks that you probably aren't going to need your mounts uh, and points to a stable nearby that you can rest them at while you help him with their problems. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Garen's all about that. So he sort of waits until you all stable your animals. Does everyone come with him as he shows you where it is that they have them? Yes. Sure. L looks distinctly uncomfortable with this idea. Okay. Garen yeah. puts on his breast, be- wow, breast, um, best brooding face. Um, he sort of men- measures you all to a, a building. Uh, with a single door and, uh, and no outward-facing windows on the first floor, and says, uh, I assume Garen's up front? Yes. He sort of looks to you as, you might need your shield, just in case. Valen turns his head to the side and says, are they armed? Um, well, that's the thing I didn't mention. We trapped them in this building... But there's like five of them. <laughs> Garen would uh, uh, pull his shield from his back and pull out his fancy new battle axe and uh, kind of clank it against the shield and let out a little laugh and say it only takes one to relay a message. Uh, Val- Valen will draw his rapier and say, I was thinking the same thing. Farron's going to uh, knock an arrow and prepare for them to. Uh, it- Hit anyone if they try to run. Now, before we crack the door open, Valen's uh, going to cast Mage Armor, or Armor of Shadows. Okay. Yeah, uh, Boomer's going to pull out his uh, Thunder Cannon, ready to clip. And uh, he, the mayor, walks over to L and sort of whispers into his ear, and if you could not kill my wife, I would very much appreciate that. Oh, geez, old boy's wife's in here? Um, uh, uh, and at that, um, he runs over and opens the door. <laughs> and um, with, with that, Garen wouldn't even hesitate and would just charge headlong into whatever. And with happening. that, we're going to put it on hold until next week. Aww. Yeah. For next week, which will su- per- supposed to be in person, so audio quality should hopefully increase drastically. We'll have all of our all of our players. So, as always, I'm your Dungeon Master, Kenny, sometimes known as Dracon. 
And starting with our adventurers that were with us tonight, we have our fighter. Uh, have a good, yourselves a good night. Our bard. Have a good night. Artificer. Night, everybody. Warlock. Good night, everyone. And Rook. Have a good one. Bang, bang, finger guns. Finger guns. Bang, bang, finger guns. Thanks for staying with us. We'll see you next week. Bye.